Good morning. Uh, if you want to turn to your, in your Bibles, turn to Jeremiah chapter 8. Before I read that passage, as you're turning there, um, if I say the name Moses, what is the first description you have in your mind? Not necessarily one of the, something like strike a rock, but what is a character that you have? What's the, one of the first things that comes to your mind? You can shout it out. Can't talk? Leader. Leader. Humble. Okay, those are good. I'm going to read, I'm going to come back to that a little later. Um, I'm going to read out of Jeremiah chapter 8. I'll be reading the first, first, verse, first six verses. <clears throat> At that time, saith the Lord, they shall bring out of the bones of the kings of Judah and the bones of his princes and the bones of the priests and the bones of the prophets and the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem out of their graves and they shall spread them before the sun and the moon and all the host of heaven whom they have loved and whom they have served and after whom they have walked and whom they have sought and whom they have worshipped they shall not be gathered nor be buried they shall be for dung upon the face of the earth and death shall be chosen rather than life by all the residue of them that remain of this evil family, which remain in all the places whither I have driven them, saith the Lord of hosts. Moreover, thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Shall they fall and not arise? Shall they turn away and not return? Why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by perpetual backsliding? They hold fast a seat, they refuse to return. I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. No man repented him of his wickedness wickedness saying what have I done everyone turned to his course as a horse rusheth into the battle <clears throat> it's pretty uh, pretty sad portion of scripture and I chose that scripture mainly uh, that portion mainly because of verse 5 and 6 and verse 5 it says why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by perpetual backsliding they keep continuing to fall back. Um, and today I'm going to have a little bit of something. Um, my message is on the words failing versus failure. And how do we compare the two? They both have negative connotations when I say them. Um, but the one is not, we can look at the one not near as bad as the other. <clears throat> or has total different uh, meaning in our life. A famous man in the United States uh, is quoted, or not quoted, uh, little facts from his life. Failing in business in 1831, suffering a nervous breakdown in 1836, went bankrupt twice, and was defeated in 26 campaigns he made for public office. Defeated in his run for president in 1856, this man was no stranger to rejection and failure. Rather than taking these signs as a motivation for surrender, he refused to stop trying his best. In this great man's words, my great concern is not whether you have failed, but whether you are content with your failure. <clears throat> Lincoln, Lincoln was elected in 1861 as the 16th president of the United States of America. He didn't let his, his failings decide where he was gonna go in life. The amount of rejection you receive is not a defining factor. Success is still within your reach. <clears throat> That was his quote, and I would like to challenge each and every one of us to live with that um, same desire in our life. 
we can fail as many times, um, we'll fail many times, I should say. We do fail many times, but it's how we choose to look at those fails on whether or not we become a failure or become a success. I wrote some uh, things down. They're not all my own words. Some of them are. Not all of them are. But it's the difference between failing and failure. Failing is something we all do. Failure is something we choose to become. Failing we can't avoid. Failure we can avoid. Failing is a disappointment. Failure, failure is a mindset. Failing shows you are stretching your limits. Failure shows you have given up. Failing is a part of the journey. Failure is the end of the journey. Failing is an opportunity to learn and grow. Failure is turning your back on learning and growth. Failing is temporary. Failure is permanent. I think the one that stuck out to me most while I was studying this and writing these downs was failure. Failing is a disappointment while failure is a mindset. And how do we take that into our Christian lives? How do we apply that to our everyday life, our business life, um, our family life? we're humans, we're going to fail. The Bible is very clear on that, um, and we know from past experiences. And there are things, especially earthly things, that, you know, it is good if I just choose to be a failure at and let it go, because if I try to do everything and be a success at everything, I'm probably going to not amount to much or be kind of half good at everything. <clears throat> Something in school, um, we didn't grade by A's and B pluses, we graded by percentage, and as long as I was in the mid-90s, I felt very comfortable. Um, I was like, you know, as long as I don't get 80s, actually, at some point in my life, I was like, as long as I pass the test, I'm good. I mean, an 80 is not great, but it passed me. So some, that's something I kind of regret in my school life uh, growing up. That mindset, you know, was that mindset more of a failure mindset because I wasn't trying to do my best. I wasn't trying to get 100%. I was just trying to pass the test. Um, and I look back and I do I live my Christian life that way too? As long as I come to church Sunday morning, as long as I do the right things, um, pass the test, you could say, probably won't get me very far, or probably won't get me as far as I could be. <clears throat> um, I came across a story of, I was not here, this is uh, another man's words, but he was at a concert, a guy was playing piano, and um, I guess he was a really good pianist, and he was really impressed with the one thing he did. And I'll just read the story here, because I'm going to pull a lesson out of it. During his performance, he did something that really stood out to me. About halfway through his set, he decided to play what he called, perhaps, the hardest piano song he's written, The Dream. It was a gamble, a risk. It didn't, he, I didn't know the song and wasn't sure what to expect but I assumed that he had set it up to be a tough song and would then nail it like he probably has in countless concerts. Instead, he got halfway through the song and messed up, majorly, to the point that he couldn't just hide the fact that he messed up. He even paused and said, hang on, let me try that again. Instead of booing and sitting silently, making him feel uncomfortable, the audience applauded. He tried it again, and messed up again. And then after kind of humming through that part of it, he whispered, whatever, and went on. And the part that I want to pull out of that is, there's two, actually two things I want to pull out of that, is one, he was stretching his limits. He was 
he knew that failing was probably an option, um, but it didn't keep him from trying his best. And the second, probably the one that I got out of this, um, I was more impressed with was the audience didn't sit back and wait for him to fail or weren't excited for him to fail. They actually applauded and were cheering him on to try to, to, try to do his best. How am I responding to my failing? And how am I encouraging those that have failed? <clears throat> we'll look at life of Moses, the first part of his life. So turn to Acts chapter 7. I had asked for a few things of what you guys had thought of Moses. Um, and I had some misconceptions of Moses early in his life. Um, not necessarily bad ones, but just when I was studying the scripture, I was like, hmm, that, I guess I didn't realize that before. Um, I'm going to read Acts chapter 7, verse 20 through 29a. In which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nursed up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nursed him for his own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. So there it looks like he's a good, a good leader and he's not, um, he doesn't struggle with words. <clears throat> and when he was full 40 years old, I thought he was a lad or like, you know, teenager when he, was, when he moved out. But when he was a full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer, suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was opposed and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove and would have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, ye are brethren, why do you wrong one to another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? Then fled Moses at the saying, and was a stranger in the land of Midian. Um, the other thing that I didn't realize was I thought it was right after he killed the Egyptian that he fled, but it was the next day. Um, and it was actually after he had spoke with his fellow Egyptian or uh, fellow Israelites. So I, I wrote a few things down. Um, these are my own words. Moses was supposed to be a kill, was supposed to be killed as an infant. What a failure! Moses was not raised by his parents. What a failure! Moses, his own people suffered in slavery while he lived like a king. What a failure! Moses became so angry, he murdered, murdered an Egyptian. What a failure. These are the first 40 years of his life. And I'm not saying his first 40 years were all failures. But what I want to look at is we know him, I knew him, know him as a good leader, um, a man that follows God's voice, um, and ended up, probably doing one of the hardest tasks in the Bible, the longest carried out task in the Bible, um, and that is leading God's children through the wilderness. So I got some points here from, from this passage. When we fail when we impulsively act on right commitments based on emotion. And this is mostly from 
um, him responding to the Egyptian beating on the, the slaves, his people. Um, Moses probably acted on zeal without wisdom. You know, it was uh, before you could think. Um, it might be on the other, I talked about this in, Bible, in uh, Sunday school that I'm, I think about in, in ditches, but I might be on the other side of the ditch, other side of the road, and I take too long to think about something. And Moses, you know, did without, just acted on it, and I think he regretted his, or I know he regretted his, his um, actions. We fail when we try to do God's work on our own strength. Moses very well might have known God's calling for him at this point. Um, in Hebrews eleven twenty four, it says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he wanted to be a Hebrew. He wanted to be a part of, the, of his people where he came from. Um, so I don't know if, if that whole scenario he felt like that was God's calling. He had already gotten God's calling and thought he's going to go act on this. Um, isn't that something that you and I would want to do? We get a, finally get God's calling in our life 40 years down the road. And so we charge out into it and only to find that we, we did it on our own strength and not on God's. Um, he didn't know how or when. I believe he didn't know how or when yet, but he was going to go find out. This is a quote I found. When you're well-gifted and well-trained, you're vulnerable. You're confident of, the, of your ability to get the job done. Um, when I tackle something that I am very confident in or I can do very well, I tend not to uh, rely so much on other people's strength or thinking the process through more. I just, oh, I can do it, so I go and tackle it. Um, and surprisingly enough, I might fail just as many times on that as I've as I fail on something that I'm not sure how to do and I do a lot more studying, I actually read the owner's manual and don't just throw them in the trash. Um, the product might come out looking a little bit better. We fail when we, we are more concerned about what others think than what God thinks. Most of the time we are concerned of what others think. We are essentially putting words <laughs> into other people's mouths. Um, you know, when we think somebody else is thinking or thinking of us or talking about us or what they might think of me standing up here, um, how I look or what I'm saying, I just put words into each one of your mouths because you guys probably haven't even thought that yet. Um, and I don't know if Moses thought that people were going to kill him. I mean, he, I mean he, did, he did kill someone, so the Egyptians might have killed him. I don't know. But what caused him to flee all of a sudden? And it was after his own people had said that. Um, we fail when we impetuously attempt to do God's work at the wrong time. Impetuously means acting or done quickly without thought or care. And I really wonder if you'd ask Moses, if you'd ask somebody that looks back in their life and maybe failed in one area, um, did they act too fast without thought or care? Do we want to do God's work without too much thought or care? Do we want to be... Um, precise in what we're doing and well thought through. We fail when we try to cover up sin. I don't think I have to expound on that one too much. That one's pretty self-explanatory. We fail when we assume that others' hearts are receptive when they are not. 
I believe that's what Moses was thinking when he killed that Egyptian. He's like, oh, the Hebrews are going to thank me for this. And they go and say, are you going to kill us too? Or, you know, there's like they acted like scared of him. And, and I'm not sure why, because in a way he was helping them out. But they were not receptive of it. And was that simply just because he was not obeying God's will? Or he was, he was not carrying out God's will in the way God had planned him to. Um, but as we know, he flees to the wilderness. And I think he was there for 40 years. And that is when he discovered the how and when of when God's, um, and that seems like, a long, seems like a long time for us to think 80 years. And it probably, his life was proportion different. But by then, he was almost a coward or scared of God's will. When he was 40 years old, he was ready to go do it. And he charged into it. Uh, In Philippians 3, verse 13 and 14, it says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended this, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Um, There's countless scriptures um, trust me, I know because I was looking it up, and there's countless scriptures on leaving the past behind, just like this verse. This, this verse really explained it well, and reaching forth to success. Understanding your, fa- your, your failing, um, but not counting that as a failure, not counting your life as a failure. Um, how, are, how am I responding to my failing, and how am I encouraging those? How am I encouraging those in the church? How am I encouraging those friends? There was a very famous person. Um, he grew up in Detroit. Very, um, how do you say it? Very poor. Nowhere to go in life. And he said, and obviously now he's a celebrity, so he's, he's made it big. And he said, he said, it takes one person to believe in you. And it takes one person to believe in you that, make, that can change the course of your life. And it did for him. Um, and so I, I want to Give that as a challenge today. Are we caring about that one person in our lives that can change the course of their life? <clears throat> um, Michael Jordan quoted or said, said this in one interview. Um, and if you don't know who Michael Jordan is, obviously he is one of the most decorated players in basketball of all time. He said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeeded. It's because I kept on. Um, turn to Psalm 73. I'm going to close out with this. <clears throat> if you want to, turn to Psalm 73. I'm going to read verse 26 through 28. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that, are, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go whoring, whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. So just remember that failing is going to happen. And it's about how we respond to that failing. Do we choose to be a failure in life or do we choose to be a success and keep pressing on. We might fail over and over again, but we can lean on God's strength in our Christian life to help us get